Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hey, hey, welcome back. So, this is the last in a series of four where we discuss. What really can you expect from a preacher? I mean, in a sermon. What is it? What are some of the things that you really should be able to say? Hey, this is something the preacher should be sharing with me. All right? So, initially, there were three things that I took from Hayden Robinson, who is a very famous, or at least uh, in his own circles, famous teacher of preaching which is in seminary language called homiletics and then I added one additional category that wasn't part of Hayden Robinson's grouping now Hayden Robinson said that a preacher to bridge the ancient to the modern should be looking at the history the culture and the language okay super important all right now the fourth one i'm gonna throw in there is archaeology now that's gonna sound a little crazy because you're thinking now you you got this little country preacher out here all right and they got 250 people in there you know uh, farmers and whatnot in their congregation. Why in the world are you going to be talking about archaeology to these people? Well, here's what that has to do with. It has to do with this. First of all, a pastor or a preacher is a teacher. It's all one thing. And teachers in God's economy do not get a pass you don't get to say, oh, no, it's too hard for me. You, you don't get that. And if, and if you think you do, God's going to take that out of your hide. You know, and, and no, that doesn't mean he's, you're going to lose your salvation. But what that means is God's going to discipline you to the point where you wake up to the point that you're supposed to be sharing with your congregation the most information you can pull and that includes archaeology now here's the thing archaeology is its own science now am i saying you need to go and be an archaeologist no it'd be super cool if you could actually go on a dig you know in the holy land and and see it for yourself that'd be fantastically cool but here's the thing you need to be able to read up on it. Most study Bibles nowadays have a section on archaeology in it where they will kind of give you a lay of the land of what has been done you know, up to that point that the book was published. Um, there's also free journals. You know, Biblical archaeology is, is one. You, you can get... Uh, some updates on that and the membership I don't think is that much but you know maybe the church could pay for that but here's the thing it's important 
Now, why is that important? Why is that important? Okay, well, let's look at something. So, in 2 Kings 2020, 2 Kings 20, verse 20, this is the time when, towards the end of the book of Kings, and 2 Kings, it's talking about Hezekiah. Now, Hezekiah was a super important uh, king at this particular time. Why is that? Because he really started a revival in the whole nation to kind of focus them back to God. Hezekiah as well as Ezra. Now, here's the thing. Verse 20 says this. The rest of the deeds of Hezekiah and all his might and how he made the pool and the conduit and brought water into the city. Are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Judah? Well, it's kind of a rhetorical question because the answer is yes, they are written there. But here's what I want to here's what I want to mention to you. It says how he made the pool and the conduit. So, there is such a thing as Hezekiah's tunnel. And guess what? They found it. They found it. And it had inscriptions. And it was hand uh, carved through rock. And it brought uh, water into the city. And it was commissioned and done by Hezekiah. Archaeologists have found this tunnel. And this isn't like a recent thing, okay? And that's pretty freaking awesome. Why is that? You know, why is that, you know, L.A.? Why does that, why does that matter? Well, it's because, it, if anything, it should emphasize how accurate the Word of God is. Archaeology, in, in many ways, not in every way, but in many ways, solidifies, solidifies the biblical record. And I would venture to say, I don't believe there has been any archaeological finds in Israel that has ever counter, counteracted or contradicted any of the biblical record. Now, um, another case that I've mentioned before that I'll just bring up briefly again is that prior to the New Testament, no one knew about Pontius Pilate. I mean, he's a. I mean, to be honest, Palestine in Roman in the Roman thought was just a backwater, podunk place in the middle of nowhere, and and so they put people there, you know, to kind of work their way up. Well, Pontius Pilate was, you know, in charge of the place, but no one outside of the New Testament had any uh, confirmation until archaeology found in Caesarea Maritima, which is Caesarea on the sea, on the Mediterranean, a dedicatory stone that said from Pontus Pilatus to Tiberius Caesar. And in addition, guess what? 
Pontius Pilate was married to Tiberius's granddaughter. Right? Okay. So it's important. Why? Why? Because because it 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 substantiates stuff. It really sets it in in cement that what we are looking at when you hold that Bible is an accurate record. And pastors ought to know that. Preachers ought to bloom and know that. And they ought to share that every chance they get. But they can't if they don't know it. If they don't look at it. I mean, it is important. So, why, you know, in the grand scheme of things, would would a little bit of country country preacher out there see? Here's you know, care about the culture and the language and all that stuff so so hard. You know, I don't need to know all that. I got the Bible right here, and I can just do that. Well, that's fantastic. But here's the thing. You're not going to mature anybody, necessarily, unless you give them everything you got. And you've got to dig. There is no pass. You don't get to be lazy in the kingdom of God. If you're a teacher, which a pastor is a teacher, preacher is a teacher, you don't get to be lazy. You don't. You just don't. And if you are, God's going to take it out of your hide. Because that means, basically, you're doing something that uh, you think is cool. You think is alright. And you're not giving your best. Now here's the thing. You don't have to have a PhD in archaeology. You don't have to be Indiana Jones. What you should, what we should do, we, I got a preaching license too, so I'm throwing myself in there, is we need to do our research. We need to do our research. We need to be looking into the culture. We need to be looking into the language. We need to be looking into the history. We need to be looking into archaeology to see what comes up next. And I'm going I'm to mention this, and I'm not going to try to go on this too long. One of the greatest archaeological finds of the 20th century, and maybe even the 21st, has been the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Dead Sea Scrolls have helped move biblical studies into the future. And we're not even finished deciphering most of that stuff. For one thing, it helps substantiate the fact that Hebrew was the language of religious study in Israel in the Second Temple period. When Jesus was here, was walking around on the on the planet. Now he's in now he's in heaven and he's in our hearts. But when he was 
physically moving his feet around the dirt here. It was it was a thing. Hebrew. Not Aramaic. Hebrew. Just the sheer fact that, you know, they've got a little Aramaic and a ton of Hebrew stuff written and it's all dated back to Jesus' time. That's huge. So the next time a pastor or preacher gives a sermon, they need to be having these these things show up in their sermons. Due diligence. Due diligence. You know, because you can you can only blow sunshine so much. All right, motivational stuff's awesome. Don't get me wrong, but people need to walk away f- with meat to chew on, and that meat, part of that, comes from the language, the history, the culture, and the archaeology, the the findings, because that stuff's exciting. I mean, it should be. Because it tells us how real, 1,000% real, Jesus is. Not just then, but now. And if a preacher is cheating you on that, then shame on him. Shame on him, because God's going to get, he's going to correct that problem. You get a lazy teacher... God's going to smack them. Totally guarantee it. But here's the thing. If you find someone who's diligent about doing that, then you know if they're bringing that stuff up in their sermons, in, 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 in their preaching to you, you know that person has done their homework because they care. And they're not coasting. Because they care and they're engaged and they want you to have the best information that they can gather. And that's important. It's huge. So, with that in mind, I want to encourage you to study on your own and in, dig into that stuff. And if, you're, if your pastor or your preacher don't know about that, you tell them. You bring it up to them. Shame on them. For not knowing, because I've mentioned before, when a preacher or a pastor walks in a room, they need to be at least in the top five of the of the most biblically knowledgeable people in that room. And if they're not, shame on them. Unless they're at a convention of biblical scholars, you know. But in their own church, yeah. So here's the thing. Keep us honest by doing your own research because pastors and preachers need help too just like anybody else and sometimes iron is needed to sharpen iron so if you're sharp you keep the preacher sharp too don't give them a pass amen so with that in mind I want to encourage you to keep on keeping on Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. And as always, don't be afraid to speak the word and
bowling century. And may God bless all of your